Welcome everybody to the Gameology Podcast. My name is Matt. I'm here with Attila. Hello there. This is episode five. We're talking about remakes and remasters. A very important issue now as we've seen with all media where everything is being rebooted old ideas are new again nostalgia is king it's raking in the money um if you're listening to this when we record it you'll have seen that call of duty modern warfare remaster was just announced to great acclaim and they are forcing people to at least right now buy the game they want you to buy infinity infinity uh, warfare and then you get that bundled in so that's going to cost an extra 30 or 40 dollars so um attila what are your thoughts on remakes and remasters? So the, the reason we're calling it remakes and remasters is because we're, we're talking about two similar but related concepts here. The, the remaster is like the game has been um, updated, perhaps like an HD remaster. That means like a, a simple like surface level recreation of the game. And then there's the actual like ground up remake of the game where some like fundamentally different things are happening. The mechanics have been retuned. Um, the game has been rebalanced, anything like that. Uh, and that's a much, much more significant change to the game. So yeah, you're mentioning this, this newest uh, Call of Duty game. Like that is a, I actually haven't heard all that much about it. Would you say this qualifies as a remake or a remaster? Well, they originally called it a remaster, an HD remaster. I think that's just a very sexier name, but looking at some of the screenshots they've shown, it looks like they've actually gone in and recreated a lot of the original scenes. Whereas a remaster, in my definition, is just sort of taking something, buffing it up a little, shining it up a little, um, but working with the original material. Whereas I think they're working with the original design, but it looks like they've gone in and sort of redone it. Yeah, okay. So like... When um, Nintendo created the uh, recent Wind Waker remaster, that's a it's, it's sorry remake. I sh- it's it's kind of hard. But to I would call that a remaster. Yeah, it's a remaster. Yeah, because they, it, I feel like they just reached a little bit further into that game than uh, there. There are some games that are just like the as I said the sort of art layer dropped over top, like the HD remaster. Mm-hmm. Whereas Wind Waker actually retooled a couple things about. Um, like the the way that the controller input was completely different, um, the way like you equip items, everything with the Wii U gamepad is completely different. You've got um, the uh, the addition of the faster sail mm-hmm. to get around the game uh, faster. They changed uh, the infamous Triforce quest to make things uh, go a bit more quickly, and yeah, so that that's why I say it's a bit more than just a remaster. But it it's hard to say whether it necessarily qualifies as much of a remake. I don't know. I guess. It's a bit well, of I think a gray we're talking area. about two different things when it comes with Wind Waker. I would say that graphically, mm-hmm. I would call that a remaster because yeah. they just sort of touched it up. But in terms of gameplay mechanics and control schemes and all that, that that was remade in a way. But you know, if you look at like a like a port yeah. of a game over to PC, mm-hmm. that's basically what they're doing there it's you know you're just remapping the buttons and hopefully you're letting people remap and uh, and rebind the keys as well yeah i think that that's that uh, like control and input is probably one of the key reasons why you would like remake or to a lesser extent remaster a game just because control paradigms shift over time like you have um the sort of early command and conquer games that i used to play where you would like left click and drag to select units and then left click to designate where they move. Whereas the standard uh, in StarCraft now is to like left click is selection and then right click is designate move or designate attack. And going back to try to play 
those old Command and Conquer games, because even the new Command and Conquer games have that same like left click to select, right click to place or move or whatever. Going back to try to play those original Command and Conquer games, it's so hard to fight the instinct. Like you, you, nine times out of ten, I just keep doing the wrong input because I'm just trying to go off of what I'm familiar with is what the way the games work now, mm-hmm. and it just, yeah, it just doesn't gel. Yeah, they've sort of used. It's yeah. It almost seemed kind of silly that they didn't even use the the second mouse button. Um, you didn't really need it at the time. I don't think anyone was really confused with uh, it. Maybe yeah. It's not that they didn't use it. It's just like right click was deselect. Oh, I see. I see. So it's sort of a totally different uh, mythology behind it. I mean, to me, that sounds actually pretty useful being able to deselect. But I guess now in the new setup, I've played a lot of modern stuff. So is it just left click is deselect as well? If you yeah, well, click on nothing, if you yeah, if you click on nothing, you can deselect. In StarCraft, you actually can't deselect. You always have something selected. Now, is that is that ever a problem? Is that a, would I, I I guess that doesn't sound like it would ever come up as a as an issue when you're playing. Yeah, I mean, because just basically because if you still know that you have something selected and then you are like right clicking to actually do anything, if you left click, I suppose the only time it could become an issue is when you, I don't know, because like if you if you're right clicking but you expect nothing to be selected, then. You you know that you still have things selected because mm-hmm. you you still see like its unit profile, like appearing in the um in the hot bar, so it's it's never that you don't have the feedback the information you you should know that you still have something selected. Okay, I, I it's obvious. I mean, we're not here to like sort of debate the the merits of like controlling an RTS. More that it like you say it's shifted with the paradigm of how people play games. Yeah, and it, it's obviously. I'd say for the most part, it seems to have worked out in that way, and that's the way everybody likes it. No complaints. It's it's the way that when I went back and played some of the older Uncharted games, and uh, we used to put all the firing buttons on the the bumpers or the L one R one. Yeah. And now they're all standard. It's on the triggers. And if you go back even further, um, we used to have the fire buttons on the face buttons. Yeah. And that was. You know, and that made a lot of sense. You go back and play like an older, we saw it in the Metal Gear Solid series where the square button used to be the fire and then it moved on. And I think that that, when I look at the controller and the control configuration, it's almost um, like the original Nintendo controller was perfect and the Super Nintendo in that you could just use a thumb, you press down on one and you press, you leaned over to hit the other one. And now they've, they've realized that that's what people have where your thumb now has to control that right thumbstick at all times. So it had to switch over to... Uh, the shoulder buttons. But that's getting more into uh, controls. We're here to talk about remakes and remasters. Well, I think it's an important part of the remakes and the remasters. Like, the part of the reason why some of these games, um, well, what what they benefit most from when they are remade is when the um, controls are brought in line with the sort of modern standard. But I, I guess it, it sort of begs the question, should you be remaking and re-releasing the game every time the control paradigm shifts? Or should you be trying to design... Um, an interface to the game which is uh, more universal and something that helps people get familiar with whatever it is at the time or should you be just offering ultimate customizability and allowing players to completely rebind and um, alter their control scheme so that they can bring it in line with whatever era they're most comfortable with well i immediately think of resident evil and a lot of people look back at the at the first two games and they think oh tank controls these are awful but really 
for the technology of the game where it's these fixed camera angles and as your character traverses a certain amount the camera switches over and now the perspective is completely changed i think tank controls make the most sense and they've you've seen a, an evolution of that in some games where they'll give you a few seconds to switch over like they'll keep you moving on that same path and mm -hmm. then you have to find another one or they'll keep it until you input another in the direction but I, I don't think you need to change a game and remake it. I don't think a game needs to be remade just because there's new controls for it. No. I think that, for, personally, it's all about if you want to keep a classic alive mm -hmm. and you want to bring it um, forward onto new consoles. And really, a lot of it is about uh, graphical uh, visuals. So can I move on and talk about graphics? Yeah. Strategy? Okay. Now, one that really stuck out for me was heading back. I had a friend over and we were like, let's just play the crap out of Mario Karts. And he had a GameCube. Mm -hmm. Actually, a Wii, but we put a GameCube game into the Wii. Yeah. I don't know if this affects the fidelity of it all. We hooked it up to an old CRT TV. Because I know that a lot of people say, well, you have to play on those. Otherwise, the bigger HD TVs and the screens we use now picks like the crap out of them. And we played the GameCube version of it. And I was shocked at what it looked like. And I think that when you grow up with it and you don't know anything else, it looks fine. And But it's like going back and watching old TV from the 70s and 60s. Basically, anytime color got introduced into TV, it was blurry as crap. It was horrible. Even stuff in the 90s. And now, like, standard definition as opposed to HD TV, you almost can't unsee HD once you've seen it. It was it was fun. I still The gameplay still held up. The controls were great. And then I switched over to the Wii U, and we ended up with that. And it was just glorious we had wireless remotes that we could sit far away from the big tv it looked incredible and a lot of it was the basically the same gameplay but what they did was they brought a lot of the as we saw this with um the wii version of mario kart they started doing it almost like a greatest hits with some new stuff where they're bringing back the old tracks and i think that i'm totally fine with paying another full price for a game almost every year or every at least every new console iteration so that you can have the same experience but enjoying the modern benefits yeah so like the the mario kart is a great example of a series where they're able to like bring back bring back the old track designs and polish them and bring them in line with whatever new gameplay mechanics they've added to the game um because really any sort of game especially of the like i mentioned this uh, in one of our previous episodes any game of the sort of like uh playstation one n64 uh original xbox era um any of those games that strive to be photorealistic at the time are really <sighs> hard to look at nowadays like they, oh, it's they laughable looking at the exactly. faces of metal gear solid and they're incredibly polygonal and they're you get a suggestion of what the characters are supposed to look like, but ultimately it's just, oh man, you, you, you could really do well with um, seeing those brought um, uh, brought uh, back to life with like newer uh, models or newer textures. Um, and those really, would have to be completely remade. Yeah, exactly. Because they, like modern games are now sort of designed with some forward thinking in mind like they they design like super high resolution textures with like the top end pc games um version in mind and then they will create lower res versions of the game uh, lower lower res versions of the models and the textures that they use even just like as background um as a level detail level of detail system as things get further and further away from the player they just sort of naturally regress to these lower poly lower texture resolution models because the player never sees any of that it's so far away and like even uh starcraft i went to play starcraft 2 recently and 
you could start playing the game when only a portion of it had downloaded because it just downloads the low poly, low texture stuff first. And then like the other two thirds of the game's download are just grabbing the high model, high quality model, high quality texture files and sound files that are associated with the game. So um, yeah, you, you really would have to from scratch recreate those older games because developers simply weren't thinking of investing the resources in creating these super high fidelity versions of models or textures at that time because that's just simply not wasn't in the sort of long-term planning um well you wouldn't be able to fit it i mean on a on a playstation yeah, one disc and if you and if you weren't going to be able to fit it on the game then what were you creating it for if you're creating it for a console you're not thinking of like a pc port in the same way as developers are nowadays Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting though. You look at say games that were made that are so much uh, more future proofed. If you compare at the time they came out, Mario sixty four to Metal Gear Solid, you might think, "Wow, Metal Gear Solid looks so realistic." When it first comes out, mm-hmm. mind blowing. And then, but nowadays you go back. Now Mario sixty four is built with these limitations in mind. They thought we're not good at doing detail, and we don't have the memory space on this cartridge format for big textures. So they used big. Mario's hat is just a lot of red. You had trees that you only saw from... Yeah, they're billboarded. Exactly, yeah. It was just at one angle. They didn't really rotate with you. But you look at that now, and it looks great. And that's a game that you... you would. I don't think you'd need to recreate or remake a Mario 64. It's a, very, it's a game that is easily still emulated on the Wii and playable on the Wii U. You're able to buy it, and it still looks fantastic. And those games can just be ported. Yeah, I mean they they did remake it though for like the they remade it for the DS, right? Um, and I I don't disagree. Like I I think that those original games, like and any any game of that era that chose to do a stylized approach, is lasts much better than any game that chose to go the like full photorealistic sort of approach. Exactly, and games that look photorealistic now in three years they're going to look old. And it's an argument you can use for like CGI and movies as well, where it, it will always look old and it becomes a product of its time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that with the level of photorealism that we've achieved in games nowadays, I don't think it's as crucial, at least not for a little while. Like the the time gap between the original N64 um, Xbox, original Xbox and PlayStation 1 era to now, that's about the era where things look especially dated i'd say even things like on certain games on the um playstation 2 and gamecube that strove for that level of photorealism but were perhaps near to the um launch of those consoles maybe don't hold up quite as well um it's it's hard to say because you have these um certain experiences that are definitely going to require this uh, updated artwork in time to really stay relevant and um, hold players' interest. Because I, I guess there's just, unfortunately, a lot of people who don't see the, the value in these games unless they look as good as all of the other things that are available nowadays. That's a real shame. Yeah, and, and as much as I like to think that I'm above that, I, I had that experience with the GameCube Mario Kart that is mm-hmm. really kind of tainted. As much as I wanted to go back to it that night, now I always have that feeling in my mind that kind of stops me from uh, compelling to it. You look at some of the final... Like, PlayStation 2 is kind of where I draw the line, like you were saying, of what you could still remaster. Yeah. And that's... A lot of it has to do with... Um, 
uh, say, Final Fantasy X, the remaster, and mm-hmm. that's like a classic example where they just kind of took what they had and they just glossed over a little bit. I'm not sure if they just up I think they just up a lot of the out of the cutscenes. Um, a different Final Fantasy and one from the PlayStation 1 era that I really liked, it was a, a PC port of that they brought over to the PS4, was Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. What they did was they took the character models. I don't know if they redid them. It lo- they look a lot smoother, less jaggy, but they kept the pre-rendered backgrounds the same because you would essentially have to recreate the entire game, which as we're seeing now with Final Fantasy VII Remake, to do that, you might as well just redo the whole thing because it's going to take so much. I loved that one because it preserved a great game. It preserved mm-hmm. the original experience. Everything was left the same in terms of how you interact with the game. The only thing they added were a few modern amenities, three times speed, which I couldn't imagine now playing a JRPG without, Mm -hmm. uh, the ability to be invincible and turn off random encounters. They took things that people have gradually sort of weaned out of games towards modern gaming and some of the things that might have been a drag with it, but still preserved the game in in a way almost like a like a museum, but just kind of with updated graphics. It's like going and looking at Tutankhamun, but you know, in virtual reality, using the technology of it. And I love that. And I think that's really important because you want to keep these games moving forward, keep them digital, keep them on different platforms. They don't necessarily have to be upgraded. I'm if you ask me which one do you want to have more, a Final Fantasy Seven the PC port slash PS4 that I could play on any system for the rest of my life, or this new remake, I would go with the ri- the original, the Final Fantasy VII one, but the ability to play it anywhere. Well, I guess the, another important question is like, what would you rather see a new Final Fantasy or a remake of an existing Final Fantasy game? Because I think there's there's obviously tons of games that we just say like, oh, you know, they they shouldn't remake that. Why? <laughs> no one liked that game. Why would they bother remaking that? And then there are these like absolute like classic gems of games that we hold in such high regard and it's like oh no they must remake this they must re-release this because the new generation must experience the perfection and see and know this game as well as i did and appreciate it as well as i did when it first came out that's what i'm saying like final fantasy 7 shadow of the colossus eco collection Mm -hmm. all the marios um I, you know, I think Mario Kart, I, I think they can just keep that evolving and it can just be a platform because everything from Mario 64 up to now is, is besides adding a few modes here and there, a lot of it has the same feels. Um, the Super Nintendo version of Mario Kart, I think that is so completely different mm-hmm. in terms of um, obviously the graphics, but the play style is different and that one I think should be preserved. But, you know, you look at those older Super Nintendo games and Nintendo games, those still hold up really well. Mm-hmm. They're not like low... because. Polygons from PS1 and N64 era, it's the same technology you're using now, but mm-hmm. just so primitive. Yeah. Whereas um, the, what we had with the Super Nintendo was the highest form of this beautiful pixel art that we've actually lost. And now pixel art becomes so expensive, you don't see it in games anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, though, because like, the, the um, Super Nintendo is actually just a 16-bit um pixel art like console whereas the there were like 32-bit consoles like the infamous uh, sega 32x which like yes it's technically a more powerful system in its time but it couldn't compete with the superior games that were being created for the technically inferior console like the it was less powerful and i think you know we we see that kind of trend happening um time and again as history goes on where it's like just because a console isn't as powerful as its brethren, I mean, the Wii outperformed the 360 and the PlayStation 3 in its time frame of just selling tons and tons more units than the other two combined. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the quality of games um, is influenced by the fidelity of the console. It just sort of 
just a sort of uh, tangent off of what you were saying before. Yeah, I mean, with that, it's it's uh, it's what what you're going to work with. The 32x was it's a harsh example because the developers didn't have time. They told the they told a lot of these guys like we need games for this immediately, and it was a big jumble between that that had like replaced the Sega CD and the Sega Saturn was on its way. If you look at um, what the Sega Saturn was doing, that was actually probably the pinnacle of pixel art, where you still had them using a lot of this beautifully hand drawn uh, like the Street Fighter fighting games and the stuff that was on the arcades in the arcades, I should say. I'm not a child anymore. The, um, when the arcades were still more powerful than what you had at home, and Sega Saturn was the only way you could bring that experience home in almost pixel-perfect quality. And if you look at PlayStation's uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, was poo-pooed on because it was 2D, but you'll probably never see pixel art that beautiful again in, in another AAA game. Um, do you think that... Uh, is there is there a downside to remakes and remasters? I, the only one I could really think of is that it is taking away resources from new ideas. Yeah, yeah, I, I would entirely agree with that. I think that there are, um, the, you know, any team that is now dedicated to the like recreation of a game is now no longer spending the time and effort on creating a a new game. They're, you know, they're they're sort of taking the time to bring new light to something which they knew to be um good in its time and there's obviously things that are immortal about that things about the design that just really hold true like i'm playing through um ocarina of time with my younger sister and gosh we have to basically play that game out of a out out of a walkthrough yeah because there's just so many things that are um relatively obtuse as far as um i guess you know, gamers of my era are concerned. Like, there's just, I, I hate to admit it, but there's just, you know, leaps in logic that I I can't make as far as like, okay, well, um, I've completed this dungeon. Where do I go now? When you're supposed to go up and see the Gorons, there's very little information on, on what you're supposed to do there. It's It used the old logic of just try everything everywhere, but it didn't quite fit because the game was so much bigger than before. Yeah, and, and that's that's one of the occurrences where a like a remaster of Ocarina of Time where like sorry remake using my own terminology here of Ocarina of Time could do really well because there are so many things about this game that are just fantastic and that you do want to preserve but when you're bringing it into this modern era you can bring it in line with modern expectations and that you know if if people complained about Navi being too much of like a hey listen kind of thing or fee People uh, from Skyward Sword, people really hate on Fee for just, like, spouting redundancy at you. Like, and I can understand why people don't like that, but having played Skyward Sword, again, with my younger sister, weeks apart, and being able to, like, just pull up Fee and say, like, yeah, what was I doing again? Because I, I honestly don't remember. It was weeks the last time I before when I played this game. So having a companion who can remind you of what you're supposed to be doing very helpful um whenever fee would like pop up and say like oh master a giant tentacle has like burst out of the ground it's like yeah i I noticed so that that part of it is not necessary but the in in terms of like giving that player the accessibility of saying um yeah here's where you should be going go in this general direction or talk to this person this is what you should be doing now um, that kind of just sort of immediate, uh, basically, it keeps the guide inside the game, and it means you never need to break out onto a second screen or 
you know, in the old days, flip through a book to find out what you were supposed to be doing. That happened with me the first time I had ever played Final Fantasy VII, and uh, even like a couple days apart. No, there was one section where it was, what's the next town you're supposed to go to? And they wanted to have this open world exploration, but really there was a, a very strict order where you're supposed to go mm-hmm. because you were limited by where you could actually travel in the cars. And it was a lot of frustrating moments and not knowing where that was and being and not having a walkthrough or the internet at the time um, to, you know, to consult, it meant a lot of frustration. And the mo- and what made it even more frustrating were random battles mm-hmm. every like 30 seconds. So if you're going the wrong way and you realize you got to double back, then it's like, oh, after every time. So Reload that, your save. Exactly. Give so up. it's, well, then you keep the, but then they draw you in with that experience. But that's JRPGs. So I do, so I guess we're kind of hitting that. I, I'm a big fan of these remakes and remasters mm-hmm. because I think that they need to be preserved, these incredible experiences. And if you are able to improve them, slightly like i'm talking like you said just gently show people where they're supposed to go you're just trying to help them you want to improve it in a way that helps people complete the original experience exactly you want them to experience the game and you want to help them like um, experience it in the way that they might not be used to there's certain things that maybe certain players can't make certain leaps of logics that either the developers or the players of that era were more willing to uh, think along certain lines, and yeah, you you just, I, I shouldn't say you can't expect that of the player, but it certainly helps to be able to refer to these things um, rather than not having them at all. Now, yeah, I guess it's, um, I was thinking, like, does it take away ideas? And I think that the takeaway resources from new ideas, and I mean, I can't speak for developers, and you're an indie developer yourself, and I guess I feel like there are plenty of plenty of other games out there now with Steam, with Xbox Live Arcade, and with Sony's emphasis on indie games. I feel like we're getting a healthy a healthy amount of new ideas. And I think that putting some of the resources from these AAA titles into um, preserving the older games, I, th- I think it's a worthwhile venture. And I think that those games need to be played and need to be updated. It's a huge jump when you take a game that is so old that it needs to be fully recreated and in that i think you really need to judge is it worth the amount of time and resources and taking away from a new idea to completely remake it i am thinking final fantasy 7 remake the amount you need to do to change this i personally think why is that not just a new game like yeah you're you're that's gotta gotta, gotta cost hundreds of millions of dollars it's right up there with the new final fantasy title but you're you're trapped with this old story that has already been told Mm -hmm. and that is still very very playable with the um, pc port of the final fantasy 7 i think that's the only time where i draw the line i go that is such a crazy remake Mm -hmm. just tell a new story let someone else um, express themselves use the years that we've had um, not only for interface UI, but use the years we've had to learn how to tell stories in games and tell a brand new story. Put, put those resources in a Final Fantasy 15 and make that a better game. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's just, it's one of those things where the like spending these resources on these games is helpful insofar as recreating these like famous experiences in gaming, but you could just as well put those resources towards the creation of a new game that is 
just a either like a spiritual successor or just a new numbered version of the game where it's like if you want to preserve the things that people liked best about the game um maybe you can find a way to do that in a new uh creative space in a new version of the game well that is going to do it for episode five on remakes and remasters we're going to have a new episode for you every single week available on itunes you just have to search gameology and we'll have it on the 90s kid youtube channel as well you can find me on the internet under game think talk either on twitter or at gmail.com and how about you attila you can find me on Twitter at Bluish Green Pro or my website, Bluish Green Productions, where I'll be posting a blog post with uh, my extended thoughts on every week's subject. Bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>